Good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome to Essex Church, where this community of Kensington Unitarians has its spiritual home. Ours is a community created by all who walk through our doors. For some of you, this may be your first time here this morning. For some, this place and these people provide a firm foundation for your spiritual explorations in life. And we welcome you, whoever you are, however you are, whatever you are, here on this sunny, at this moment, autumn morning here in London. And we're also sending a warm welcome to all those who will be listening to this service at some unknown future date via our podcasts. As Unitarians, we respect and appreciate one another's diversity as we celebrate all that we share in our experiences of life. And today's All Souls service celebrates the power of love to transcend loss. So let's take a moment now to take a conscious breath and to acknowledge that we are here now together. We have chosen to step away from the busy world for a while, to take some time to reflect on life itself and our part in it, to make time for all that we consider holy and sacred and special, to give time for the God of our hearts to guide our ways of being, here and now, in beloved community, one with another. I bid you welcome, one and all. As Hindu families and communities are celebrating their festival of Diwali this day, lighting many candles to welcome good fortune into their lives... Let our single chalice flame join their light. Our Kensington Unitarians banner over there with its many religious symbols. It proclaims our respect for all the world's faith traditions. And this single flame reminds us, I think, of the one light of truth and love that transcends any faith. May its light shine within us all and beam outwards so that all might feel its warmth. And I have the, the shortest of, of readings today. I don't know if any of you know this book. It's called No Matter What, and it's about love. If you haven't read it, do have a look over a cup of tea and coffee later on. Because when I first read it, I thought, yes, that says it. A bit like the Adrian Mitchell poem. Do you know this book? Oh, that's lovely. Well, it's an extract. It's towards the end of the book. And there is, the characters are small and large. Does love wear out, said small? Does it break or bend? Can you fix it, stick it? Does it mend? Oh, help, said large. I'm not that clever. I know I'll just love you forever and ever. Small said, but what about when we are dead and gone? Would you love me then? Does love go on? Large held small snug as they looked out at the night, at the stars shining bright. 
Small, look at the stars, how they shine and glow. But some of those stars died a long time ago. Still they shine in the evening skies. Love, like starlight, never dies. So would you join me now in a time of prayer and reflection? As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here today. Let us pray for the ancestors, for those who came before us and prepared the way. We who are part of the great history of humanity from people's earliest times on this planet, we have the precious gift of life to be grateful for. Yet there may be those in our personal history for whom we feel more complex emotions. Let us seek peace for our ancestors. And if you are a human being, there will be with you, you probably some tensions, some unresolved issues. And so let us seek peace for ourselves. And in our world, our oh-so-busy, oh-so-turbulent world, let us pray for all those involved in conflicts that ways forward may be found. Let us pray for those who feel helpless, that they might have the strength to carry on. Let us pray for the world's leaders, that integrity may help them to rise above self-interest and instead truly seek the highest good of all. In the story of small and large, we heard that question. Does love wear out? Does it break or bend? Can you fix it, stick it, does it mend? Oh, help, said large, I'm not that clever. I know I'll just love you forever and ever. And so let us give thanks for the love we know in life, for the people who care about us, for simple shared pleasures, for laughter and kindness, that all beings might feel lovable and loved this day. Amen. This is a poem called Poor Devil by Rick Marston, uh, written not that long before he died, when he looks at how accepting death helps us to live life more fully. In my early twenties, I went along with Dylan Thomas, boasting that I wanted to go out not gently but raging, shaking my fist, staring death down. However, this daring statement was somewhat revised when in my forties I realised that death does the staring, I do the down. So I began hoping it would happen to me like it happened to the sentry in all those John Wayne Fort Apache movies, found dead in the morning, face down, an arrow in the back. Poor devil, 
the sergeant always said, never knew what hit him. At the time I liked that, the end of taking me completely by surprise, the bravado left in the hands of a hard-drinking Welshman still wet behind the ears. Older and wiser now, over 70 and with a terminal disease, the only thing right about what the sergeant said was the poor devil part. Poor devil, never used an opening to tell loved ones he loved them, never seized the opportunity to give praise for the sunrise or drink in a sunset, moment after moment passing him by while he marched through his life, staring straight ahead, believing in tomorrow. Poor devil. How much fuller, richer and pleasing life becomes when you are lucky enough to see the arrow coming. Thank you, David. Thank you. So we're going to have a short address now and then that will be followed by our All Souls Ceremony in which you're invited to come and light a candle and to name, aloud or silently, those who you wish to remember this day. I was impressed that that young people could sit through a three-minute silence just now. I was particularly impressed because I am somebody who has never been able either to sit still or be quiet, probably, for three minutes. So, I mean, we often talk here at Essex Church about the importance of spiritual practices, and one of my practices for many years has been to experience other faith traditions whenever I can. And so it was for that reason that I ended up on a train heading for Northumberland some years ago. I was heading off for a a long weekend silent retreat in a Buddhist monastery out on the moors, a place called Throstlehold Priory. And there there are many funny stories to tell you about that weekend, and I haven't got time to tell you them all. But sometimes you only find out if something doesn't suit you by trying it, don't you? And I tell you, four days of silence, four days, I ask you, was more than enough for me. I I subsequently met a a Buddhist lama who had been silent for 11, no, 12 years. And that's deeply, deeply impressive for me. A gorgeous man. So yes, four days. The experience showed me that I suffer from an addiction to talking and that my body is poorly designed to sit for two hours in meditation exercises. I've never been back. But, but one of their other Buddhist practices made a real impression on me that weekend. At each mealtime, and they did feeders at least, there would be an empty place set for what they called the hungry ghosts. The hungry ghosts. Now, this is a Tibetan Buddhist practice, and it can be traced back to a much earlier pre-Buddhist Tibetan religion known as Bon. The Bon religion, as, as do most other primal religions, as they're called, has a central belief of this material world that we know and that we can touch and experience and understand, that this is just a small part of a much, much bigger picture. All around us, there is also the spirit realm where those who have died go. 
The spirits may be peaceful or they may be agitated, and many practices would then be aimed at the soothing of the distressed spirits. These then, in in Buddhism, are the hungry ghosts. A belief that a, a spirit realm can have a profound effect on the material world is still very much alive today, amongst tribal peoples, amongst shamanic practitioners, and amongst earth-centred spiritual traditions. And it also, of course, has links with ancestor worship or veneration, where people conduct ceremonies of gratitude for their ancestors and ask them to intercede on their behalf in the spirit world. Remnants of some of these practices can be seen today all around the world, and particularly at this time of year, for the Christian festivals of All Hallows' Eve, All Souls, All Saints' Days, they've many connections with much more ancient beliefs. In early Celtic religion, this time of year is known as the time when the veil between the material and the spiritual world is at its thinnest. That is the origin of the turnip or pumpkin lanterns made by children, designed originally to ward off any malevolent spirits that might be about the place. But I I think, and it's interesting, Roy, that you chose that Adrian Mitchell poem, which so much speaks of this. I think many of us who've experienced the loss of someone close to us, we've had that feeling, haven't we, that the, the dead are with us all the time, not just at a particular time of year. Now, a psychologist might say that we, we, have, we can internalise those who have died. Now, this can sometimes be painful, as that may relive the past for us in some way, but sometimes can't it be just so hugely comforting to have that feeling of a loved one being near? When it comes to life after death, I I admire the certainty of those who say they do know that such a thing exists. But such certainty is probably not going to be found often amongst those attracted to a liberal religious path. Although I do know liberal religious people with a strong um, belief in in some kind of afterlife. I think ours is a, a, a path for people who generally prefer questions to answers. But I can give an answer to that question. And my answer is, I don't know what happens when we die. But I do know, and I know it to the core of my being. I know that love continues and that relationships continue after death. The, um, the minister whose words are quoted on the front of your order of service uh, sheet, Forest Church, a fine man and a, a, um, wrote extensively about life and love. He wrote this about our uncertainties. After death, well, our bodies may be resurrected or our souls may transmigrate or become part of the heavenly host. We may join our loved ones in heaven or we may return the constituent parts of our being to the earth from which it came and rest in eternal peace. About life after death, no one knows. But about this, we surely know. There is love after death. Not only do our finest actions invest life with meaning and purpose, but they also live on after us. The love that we have given to others is the one thing death cannot destroy.
in my work, I spend time with people who are grieving. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that we just cannot say to somebody who is grieving, you'll get over it. Where, where love exists, there is nothing to get over it. You may get through it. But again and again, I, think, I see the importance of people telling us of their love for those who have died, telling us of their memories, telling of stories, I think, is vital. This quotation is from um, a, a young, a teenager's book, um, The Sky is Everywhere, which deals with life and death issues. It's written by Jandy Nelson. And she writes, My sister will die over and over again for the rest of my life. Grief is forever. It doesn't go away. It becomes part of you, step for step, breath for breath. I will never stop grieving my sister Bailey because I'll never stop loving her. That's just how it is. Grief and love are conjoined. You don't get one without the other. And all I can do is love her and love the world and emulate her by living with daring and spirit and joy. I think life is about coming to terms with certain truths. Truths such as everything material eventually breaks or collapses, fades, disintegrates. Everything and everyone dies. We are mortal. As I've heard it uh, said before, all of us then are living in some kind of terminal ward of life. We're in a shared human endeavour. Our 12 Steps to Spiritual Health group has recently been looking at the issue of mortality. And the messages that we distilled from that evening of discussing such issues were things like live fully, love fully, mourn fully, hold on fully, let go fully, remember those who have died, speak of them often with love and affection. Tell the old stories, keep memory alive. And in honour of those who have gone before us, live the life we are given with grace and awareness. And so I'm going to invite you now simply to come out as you feel called to do and simply say the names of those you have lost and loved. Simply the names. If you wish, just light a candle in silence. Rest in peace, all souls, who have done with anxious torment, who have done with dreams who filled with life and hardly born, have departed from this world, all souls, rest in peace. Those who can no longer smile at the sun, keeping watch on the thorns beneath the moon, seeing God in the pure heavenly light, looking into that face, all who have parted from here, all souls rest in peace.
Susan Rack writes, Life moves us. Death challenges us and love shapes us. In the days ahead, may each of us live more fully, knowing how very precious life is. And in the days ahead, may each of us love more fully, trusting that when all else ceases to be, love's sweet messages will still be whispering upon the wind. Amen. Go well and blessed be.